shoots and saves me by Zolopiak. 20 seconds to go in the third. Hodgson. Filatov picks it up. Filatov the tie to the line. Ellis knocks it down. They battle on the wall for it. Ellis in there as well. Boyd jump looking for it. Tavares pulls it out. Tavares backhand towards the goal. Loose puck. Alrighty there, hockey fans, and welcome to another episode of Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show. It's Season 3, Episode Espo, a.k.a. Number 7. So, Phil Esposito, a great Number 7, thought, hey, he should be the representative for Season 3, Episode 7, as we are having fun naming our episodes after sweet players of the past. Uh, So... Today's show, I'm co-host Tom. I got with me as always co-host Randy. So how are you doing today, Randy? Doing quite well. I'm actually just going to throw up Phil Esposito here on Hockey DB so we can talk about him in a minute or two. But doing great. Yeah, get a good get a good look at his numbers. He was uh he's ranked I think number 7-ish on the all-time goals list. So um you know, he's uh well, you know he what? Scored, you know, set. He got. He had seventy six goals and seventy six assists mm-hmm. in one season. That's right. So that's pretty cool. Um, he's legit. Yeah, he's number six all time on the goals list, actually, with seven seventeen in his career. And uh, Alex Ovechkin, with you know a thirty goal season or whatever, he'll he'll clear Esposito and probably Marcel Dion to get into number five, but. Um, for now, he's Ovechkin's at number eight. So he's, but I think if he has a good year, he'll leapfrog our boy Phil Espo. Um, and for those of you actually that aren't familiar with Espo, Phil, he's got a brother, Tony, who's a, right. who's a keeper, but also yeah. Phil is well known for a very classic uh, hockey speech, uh, exactly. you know, yeah. from, from 1972. Um, we'll, we'll throw that into the episode as uh, one of our intermissions. So, uh, stay tuned yeah. for that. That's a very classic and inspiring speech. He it gave is. the nation there. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was during the pandemic, like in the early days of the, of the pandemic. And I watched some 72 summit series and I watched, like, I saw that whole speech or whatever is pretty awesome it inspired me i was like all right boys here we go let's go now no more fooling around <laughs> and you cured but, covid uh, actually after after that speech. <laughs> i just haven't told anyone yeah. yet but uh so yeah uh we're uh recording here in our respective homes over the magic of the internet uh one day we'll be back in our talking hockey bunker but uh, that day is not now so we're just doing our thing from home and uh hope you enjoy the show We've got, as always, we've got our classic um, beers of the week. I didn't say local beers of the week this time because Randy's going off the charts. Yeah, you know what? Corporate's going to be breathing down my neck on this one, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm going off the rails here, but it's still Canadian. Um, But I'll let you go first because you're you're repping the 204. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I've got one. uh, It's a, a Fort Rouge brewery. Uh, but no, it's not Sucrums. What? Uh, I've, there are other breweries yeah. in Winnipeg? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, hard to believe. Hard to believe. This one here is Brazen Hall. Uh, they're a brew pub. And uh, last year, they started canning their beer and selling it at Liquor Mart and uh, beer vendors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, they make some uh, some pretty good beers. Like they make a really nice red ale. Um, and, and the Brazen Hall is very Viking themed or Icelandic themed, I guess. Um, and so uh, it's like Icelandic culture, for those who don't know, uh, is pretty prevalent around these parts um and so this the beer i've got today is the long sword bohemian pilsner and honestly like i love a good bohemian pilsner like a continental pilsner um in the style of say like uh pilsner or cal from czech republic um and there's some you know good other uh brands as well but that pilsner or cal from the czech republic's like the classic one and uh, well, it was the first one. I think uh, I think it translates to like the original Pilsner is what Urkel means or something like that. So anyway, this longsword uh, by Brazen Hall. It's a crisp drinking experience. Um, the uh, you know it's Bohemian style. There's uh, you know I could read the can for you, but I'll just let you go buy one yourself and and read it. Uh, I will just say, here's the hops they use, Sterling and Herzbrucker hops. So um, if you're a hops person, that's what's going on in here. And I've got this can nice and cold. Nice. It's a nice looking can too. Well, actually, so for, further, to, gonna... further to your Icelandic comment there, I do believe yeah. Gimli and area and the surrounding area is the largest Icelandic population outside of Iceland. But don't Correct. don't quote I me because you're, I believe you're right. I could be just thinking I am smart. <laughs> but also, no, I, Brazen that, Hall, I've heard. Oh, sorry. You, I've heard the same thing okay. uh, that Gimli and sort of like the Interlake region of Manitoba. There, they they do. It is like the largest sort of Icelandic population outside of Iceland. I think Lundar uh, might have a like a fairly decent sized population mm -hmm. of Icelandic people there too. Um, but also yeah. Brazen Hall, go for the beer, stay for the pretzel. It's really good there too. So, oh yeah, nice. Whenever, yeah. whenever, yeah, that was open again. the the food there is is really good, and uh, like you know, it was a place that we would, uh, the wife and I would go, you know, occasionally for a nice little dinner, and uh, yeah, they've got the they got the nice beer to to sort of wash all that down. So it's a great spot. What do you got? So today, like I said, corporate is going to be calling me tomorrow at eight in the morning being like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm going to be like, I got to spread the love. So actually what I'm just bl blame the intern. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> he he uh, screwed up by grabbing the wrong beer. So what I have today <laughs> is from winter long brewing company out of Whitehorse. Uh, oh, wow. And it's actually, you can get this at, um, the quality in beer store. Okay. Uh, they've got a bunch of different beers, but uh, like, you, you know, your IPAs, your, your pale ales, your reds, you know, your, um, yeah. your wheats and all this stuff. But today I'm going a little wild with, I'm, I'm a little reckless, reckless abandon reckless here. Reckless abandon, they're, double they're IPA. Double IPA. It's bold, tropical and smooth. Um, nice. And it's 8.5%. So. Oh, wow. Big old. Big old double whammy yeah, there. From, yeah, uh, nice one. Winter Long Brewing Company from Whitehorse, Yukon. So I was cool. I was there two years ago. So 
Oh, that's awesome. I've always wanted to get up north to uh, the Yukon and and whatnot. Uh, my sister used to live up north and I kind of missed my opportunity because it's been years since she has now. She's back, you know, in, in uh, southern Canada, as it were. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, one of these days I'd love to get up there for, you know, even like the Dawson Dawson City Music Festival. Yeah, a, well, actually, great time I've heard. And uh, look, this picture right here, it says view from the Midnight Dome, Dawson City, Yukon is what the picture is boom so there you go oh nice it's full circle that's awesome i guess you have to go nice well we got to go to winterlong brewing company get into these and uh so your your uh white horse beer is actually the perfect segue for what we want to talk about first on talking hockey the hockey talking show oh i know where you're going with three episode seven i think this is your best segue ever (laughs) <laughs> the white horse workhorse so i can't even say it <laughs> the, the workhorse from white horse the workhorse from white horse there it is there it is dylan cousins see like uh, you can't write was, this stuff <laughs> he was team canada's uh leading point producer and sort of lead offensive guy in the world junior tournament and uh of course, so we'll just do a little world junior wrap up here. We last episode uh, was kind of we we recorded it after their first game, the blowout of Germany, I think it was, and uh, so now, you know, the tournament's well over by now, and uh, we're on the eve of the NHL season kicking off. But I think we'll just have a little moment of reflection for Team Canada's uh, silver medal efforts at the World Juniors, but. Let's first here take a sip of these beers and see how those go down. Mm. Tastes like White Horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this tastes like Pemina Highway. Nice. <laughs> Actually, and just, just yeah, up the road one. there, maybe what three buildings over is uh King's Royal Sports there. You know, and I just got my skate sharp in there. So shout out to Oh no way. Yeah. You and go. you know what I did something yeah, what else I did I got a new pair of blades for my skates so now I have two pairs so now I have to go and get them sharpened like you know twice n- as much no not <laughs> not not as often because I've got two so once one goes dull I'll just put yeah. the new ones on Oh that's pretty smart So there uh, you go and I guess ideally one would be for like indoors like uh you know league play and then the other for for odrs or something yeah i, I guess ideally right and i also tried doing a different profile so i've got a eight okay. foot, eight foot profile on one and a 9.5 profile on the other one just to see if it made a difference i, I would say okay. after one skate it didn't feel that crazy but you're right i'm going to yeah. keep one set of blades for the outdoors and keep the next and other that- pair for indoors that number is that the sort of concave like the depth of the concave no it's like the 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 blade so like if if this is your toe and this is your heel yeah so like an eight foot think about like a like a a circle that's got an eight foot diameter yeah so that's kind of like the radius or whatever yeah and then the groove is what we are sharpened would be so i do a half inch groove on my sharpens I, i like them pretty sharp i think Standard okay. is usually five eights, but anyways, Royal yeah, Sports, yeah. go get go get your skate sharpened there. Yeah, great place to get your blades sharpened. That's uh, a place I go between them and uh, another spot just up the road a little ways. Uh, so that's kind of 
a good a good hockey store in Winnipeg but for sure so yeah so what was your kind of overall thoughts on um, Team Canada coming up with the silver they fell short in the gold medal game to USA the final score two nothing a little bit of a disappointment there but you know what like uh, they I thought they had a um, a good game against USA like not the best game they played but you know that was a really good game overall back and forth uh they just really couldn't get any pucks past uh Spencer Knight yeah I would say like for being a uh fairly consistent world junior viewer probably since the mid 90s I would say that Canada kind of fell victim to the thing that normally happens with them is they end up losing one game and it ends up being the game that counts. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, if they were going to get that loss out of the way, like, sure, it's nice to, like, sweep the round robin and blow everybody away. But sometimes if you, yeah. uh, yeah, like, if you're never trailing, then you never really know how to play from behind. Or, you know, like, if, yeah. if the other team scores the first goal, uh, like, you're never playing catch-up. Or you're never, like, and when you're, you know, if we want to use the comparison, which is something that we do normally, that team from the 2018 of the Winnipeg Jets, that team played the same game if they were up or down or tied. Like it was just consistent. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like World Juniors, uh, unfortunately, the one game that they lost ended up being the gold medal game. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's just, you know, the way it goes. Um, they, I thought that they would get more of a test in the round robin from Finland. Oh, they uh, they just you know really handled Finland like it was. It was and and I I liked I I thought I think Finland was kind of my favorite team of the tourney other than Canada. I like Germany. Really Germany were my favorites actually. Yeah, it's just a, yeah. kind of the underdog story. Um, yeah, yeah, and Ger- yeah, it was cool to see once they got their guys back uh, that because when they played Canada, they were missing half the team or whatever, but. And USA, obviously, like they, they played great and deserved the gold. Um, I uh, I just wish, you know, maybe Canada could have made it a little closer, but hey, it is what it is. And I think they had, you know, some posts and stuff like that in the game and it just kind of, you know, the bounces didn't go their way or whatever, but it, it is tough when you just blow everybody out. So it's almost like maybe next year they'll be in the other group because there's group A, group B. And A is like the champ, and then like the third or fourth place team, and then the shitty teams, and then Group B is like, you know, you got yeah a tighter uh, tighter so group. Like it'll be, it'll yeah, be like yeah, two, three, so and, like the, right? Yeah, the the round robin will be like better competition, so it's almost bodes better for by the time you get to the yeah. final, if you you know yeah get that far or whatever. So yeah, like if you think about we'll see, if you but, think about uh, other years. Um, the, sometimes the, the, the gold medal or the, like the, the team that wins maybe gets a loss early, you know, like, and then they're, mm. they're building off that loss. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I've seen this movie a whole bunch of times since the mid nineties <laughs> where it's like Canada just yeah. sweeps everybody. And then they, you just feel like they're going to do it. Yeah. And then it's like, Yeah. USA scores the first goal. That was the first time Canada was ever down. It was the first time Canada didn't score in the first five minutes of a game. So you, yeah. you, I bet you like all those things are going on in their minds, you know, like 
their their kids also like they just cakewalked through the last couple weeks or whatever mm-hmm. and then you have less than two periods to try and make up for it so um yeah. I, you know i would they, say they, it was it was disappointing to see them not win gold because it was just like just over exaggerated and how good they are or whatever but at the same time yeah. the better team won like that's all you got to say like yeah. they they found a way yeah. to win and they did it yeah for sure and uh you know i thought in that gold medal game canada came out real good and they looked really good off the top and i was thinking here we go now and then momentum shifted and the usa kind of had a real good uh like the second half of the first period was all usa and then you know they kind of controlled play for a little while but then canada poured it back on later in the game but it just wasn't enough and you know like devin levi in the canada net he was a beauty all tournament long in my mind uh you know deserves every sort of accolade that he was getting and i really liked the way he played and and then yeah the the workhorse from whitehorse dylan cousins looks good man and like he's a buffalo draft pick and i don't know if he's gonna make the sabers this year i haven't uh haven't been following sabers camp that closely but um he's uh looks like he'll he plays an nhl style game or getting there anyway right um i don't know like I, I think you can look at a lot of guys like that trevor zegris guy on the usa he was named mvp i believe and uh very flashy very good looking player um but to me he doesn't i don't think he's nhl ready like i think he's a little ways off you know like he plays a real good junior game but like um whether or not he's physically ready and the style of his game is maybe not quite nhl uh, ready yet i don't know who he's at anaheim yeah he's at anaheim, yeah. Is he or something yeah if you, yeah, if you look yeah. at cap so, friendly right now for buffalo they've got jack quinn and dylan cousins in the forward mm-hmm. group so that that would be two guys just coming right out, out of the world juniors that might be on yeah. the team and if you look at the rest of buffalo they got jack eichel jeff skinner taylor hall sam reinhardt yeah. eric stahl cody eakin yeah. like they got a decent forward yeah. group yeah, yeah, they and then you know they got the number one pick from the other year, Rasmus Dahlin on defense. The question in Buffalo, as it has been the last couple of years, is goaltending. I don't know who their goalie yeah, is. They is got, it Chad Johnson or something. No, uh, Carter Hutton and Linus Olmark. So two, right. two middle of the road guys. Yeah, so I mean, hey, if they split duties and are able to put together average goaltending, the Sabers could uh, they could do something this year. It's hard to say. Um, you know, the, uh, I don't know, whatever. We're not here to talk Sabres, but (laughs) you know, we are here to talk about though. Oh, the boys, the boys are back. (laughs) Yeah. There's the theme music. The boys are back in town. Winnipeg jets are, uh, ready to get things going here. Um, are you fired up Tommy? I'm feeling pretty fired up for sure. I can't wait to sort of tune in on Thursday night and catch the, the Winnipeg Jets in action against the uh, the loathed Calgary Flames. Um, I'm excited that that's the first team they play because of them getting, you know, swept aside essentially in that uh, qualifying round back in August. Um and so I hope that uh, they've got revenge on the mine and they come out firing and just, 
you know, they come out hot. I, I mean, every, I feel like every team's, you know, raring to go. So it's not going to be like uh, the Jets have any advantage over anybody else. Um, but I think, you know, they're, and like there's no fans in the building, but it's a home game for Winnipeg. And then I think that they'll be, um, I think they'll come out hot, you know, and, and I'm hoping for a, a good game. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's exciting. How how far are you, up are you? are you? Are you already like down at Portage in Maine with your? Uh, oh, I was down there. Yeah, like, since <laughs> since uh, basically Matt, Matthew Kachuk kicked his Sh- uh, Shifley's leg there, I, I've been there ever since. No, I, I'm I'm totally fired up for Jets hockey, but I'm also pretty stoked on all the other divisions. Like it's going to be kind of neat to see like all these different divisions and watching that hockey, and it's like. Yeah. The Jets will never play those teams, like unless the, you know in the playoffs, like you know they go deep or whatever. Exactly. So it's gonna be yeah. pretty cool. Like, you know, like I'm really excited to watch like Colorado, and just like, you know, and not have to worry about like Colorado like beating the Jets in the standings or whatever. Like, right. I'm gonna have like I'm gonna enjoy hockey from all the divisions. I think. Um, I think the Jets have a nice. Um, uh, I won't say advantage, but like. A nice they have good experience from being in the central which for the last five years has been maybe the best division in hockey and the jets have been you know they've showed respectably in that division and now now we're going into the sort of the, the scotia bank north division uh, they've sponsored all the division titles um but uh you know i i think the jets can use that sort of central division experience to their benefit play, but you know, the North is going to be a, a tough division and it's kind of a crapshoot as to who's going to finish where, but you know, they, I, I, I think that it'll benefit the jets having been in the central, which has been a dog fight. And, and now they're coming in and you know, that like everybody's given Edmonton and Calgary, a lot of, uh, a lot of favoritism, you know, Toronto's obviously getting some, but uh, those teams play in or have played, you know, in the Pacific and Atlantic divisions, which haven't had, like, there's some good teams in those divisions, but also, you know, the Pacific has had some, you know, the California teams haven't been good lately, you know, uh, Phoenix and, you know, there's teams that they can feast on. And in the Atlantic, Toronto is able to feast on the Buffaloes and um, Floridas and whoever else that have kind of been not so great the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, Florida's actually been okay, but, you know, the, the division itself isn't like as strong, I suppose, as the Central. Um, so I think that's something that the Jets can hopefully uh, come into this div- new Canadian division and sort of maybe used to their advantage or whatever, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's, what's <laughs> going to be interesting too. It's like the fact that there's a bunch of like, there's some stretches where you play the same team, like a couple times in a row. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's going to feel like, well, it's going to feel like baseball in a way, like where they have like the, you know, the weekend series or whatever. Cool. But yeah. also like, it, I, I think it's, I think a lot of these teams are going to treat it like mini playoff series that like, these next four games, like, or these next seven games, we got to win four and treat it like they're winning, trying to win a series every, every, uh, right. every week or whatever. Um, right. And th- so that being said, actually, 
you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Jets maybe first seven or eight games here in a sec. But um, after kind of following along, everything's going on so far in, in you know, the uh, shortened Jets camp. Is there anything that has surprised you or anything or like anything that you're, you're um, super excited for or concerned about? Yeah. So, yeah, the Jets camp has been interesting to follow in, um, you know, I, I don't know, like, uh, in the, the the most interesting news in the last couple days or day here at least has been the waiver uh, thing. So Matthew Perot getting sent down through waivers, um, <clears throat> and of course uh, cleared waivers as of today. Um, but two other Jets, Eric Comrie and Lucas Pisa. Uh, also sent through waivers and claimed by other teams. So Comrie is going to the Devils, who, after uh, they're in need of goaltending, after um, what's his name, Corey Crawford announced his retirement, uh, sort of suddenly, I suppose. Um, and then Nashville claimed Lucas Pisa. So, you know, I think the Jets were kind of hoping and counting on having Spiza around as their sort of seventh defenseman between him and Niku, it looked like in camp. Those were going to be the two guys who would be the seventh defenseman. Um, so now no Lucas Spiza, which, you know, he's not the world's greatest defenseman or anything, but he's a, a really good depth defenseman, I think. And he brings a lot of shot blocking and penalty kill and, you know, it's just some stability that way and size and stuff like that. And now the Jets, I don't know what they're going to do to replace that. I guess it's next man up from the from the AHL, essentially. So I think they might be looking at um, Nelson Noje or uh, maybe even Sandberg. But it sounds like basically based on Paul Maurice's comments that Sandberg will just be in the AHL and playing in the AHL. Um, Sammy Niku, I think, will be the seventh D-man, so he'll probably get some reps. So, like, taxi squad, essentially, I suppose. Um, and, yeah, like, as far as what are, what are the Jets going to do for a third goalie, like, to me, it's like this was a question mark that I think uh, existed before Eric Comrie was claimed on waivers. Uh, you know, why didn't the Jets try and uh, put more depth into their goaltending position, knowing that this shortened season would have a lot of back-to-backs and a lot of other teams sort of have or had brought in extra goaltending just to have that depth. And the Jets sort of didn't do anything in that regard. So it's a little bit of a question mark for me as to what is Chevy doing or what was his plan there. But uh I don't know, like, as far as overall surprises for training camp, I think it pretty much went exactly how I thought it might. Um, Have they said anything about lo- uh, Vili Hainola? No, I, I, he he was had to quarantine for the whole camp because come in from the World Juniors, which honestly doesn't make any sense to me because he was in Alberta in a bubble that had quarantined and then now he's coming to Manitoba. <laughs> nothing which, nothing makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So exactly. Nothing makes sense. So whatever. He had he didn't have training camp at all. So as and 
Paul Maurice basically said he didn't want young guys sitting around on the taxi squad okay. watching games. So basically you read into that and it's like, yeah, he wants, I think Billy Hainola will be playing in the AHL, which doesn't get going until February. So maybe he's taxi squad until then. Um, hard to say, but he looked really, really good in the world. Oh, he did. Yeah. So what we played like 27 minutes a game, but what we saw in camp, I believe is Josh Morrissey started with Sammy Niku, but I, I believe that was because Pullman was injured. So then the, the pairings ended ended up being Morrissey and Pullman were together and Pionk and Forbert Mm -hmm. were together. And then nasty Mm -hmm. Nate was with Dylan DeMello. And to me, like, I, I like that. You know, I, I, I it, it seems like the yeah, like nice balance. Yeah, like it's like and, one kind of skilled, like you know, you know, puck mover with like the stay at home yeah. tough dude kind of thing. Also, yeah, if you think yeah. about like in the bubble, Tucker Pullman, I thought was one of the Jets' best players back then. Like, didn't he take like a puck off the face or something, and then he came back and scored? He did. But I, I might have missed might have missed a shift and then was back in it and you know stitched up with the the weird like half visor yeah. thing or whatever. I'm, I'm but, a big fan of Tucker Pullman. I th- I think I, yeah. and I don't I like I think that's a good idea. Like him with Morrissey, it you know like it's not like Tucker Pullman is Jacob Truba, but that's a mm. pretty similar combo. I would say like you know mm. like you know like size wise and and. I think I would say Tucker Pullman is probably better defensively than Jacob Truba was, but Truba's got a little, maybe a little more on the offensive side, like edge on him. But yeah. to me, like those D pairings were, were pretty, I, I like, I would accept that. And then also if you got Dylan Sandberg and maybe Sammy Niku and Vili Hainola, like banging on the door, that's okay with me. Like, Keeps things interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I'm all right with that too. I don't know that Vili Hinola um really gets into much NHL games this year with the Jets, but like boy, he looks like he will be the real deal. Like I think he's a, gonna be a really smart defenseman. And the knock on him from myself and whoever's in the past was didn't he doesn't have the size and whatever. But uh, I think he plays a game, a smart, smart game that it's not going to really be a problem for him. Um, plays like an efficient game and he's got a little bit of that offensive pizzazz. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. And like uh, with Samberg, I didn't, you know, I watched the scrimmage there they had yesterday, I think it was. And I, I didn't notice Samberg really much. Um, and so I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know that he had like an amazing camp or anything, which, but I don't think that he was, uh, I think Maurice already had him basically on the, on the moose anyway. Like, I don't think he had a chance anyway. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, like I, I agree the D pairings, the way that they're structured or were structured in camp. I like it. Uh, I think, um, and you know what, four and Pionk are from the same place in Minnesota. Yeah, I heard they've I been tra- uh, they've been training together. Yeah, they trained together. Yeah. Um, I guess Neil Pionk's dad like had like this amazing ODR. Like he grew up on a farm or something, and like had like this baseball field, like Field of Dreams in the in the uh, or not Field of Dreams. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kevin Costner Field of Dreams baseball field in the corn 
yeah, field, yeah. you know, yeah. like had one of these situations going and he's just like the sort of just an athletic guy or whatever. And, and Forbort uh, is kind of like of the same mold, just a, a bigger sort of more ruggedy type dude. And I don't know, I'm excited to see uh, kind of what his defensive game looks like and everything. So um, I've got the, I know, I think... I've got the, the uh, intern here just on, on the other computer here, helping me okay. with some stuff. And I just did a quick little comparison. If you think about um, the newly uh, named captain for the Minnesota wild, Jared Spurgeon, yeah. and he's a defenseman. He's five nine, like one sixty seven, and that's it. And Vili Heinola is five eleven, one seventy eight. So, you know, if I didn't realize if, Spurgeon was so small, if Spurgeon can make it work, then I think our boy Vili can make it work. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? Like Vili Heinola at age nineteen, I think he just turned nineteen or something. Yeah, uh, he's likely to put on a few more pounds. So if he's already at one eighty. Let's just say he adds. He'll get to 195. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think he'll be fine. But uh, how about for the forwards? Wow, that's anything. Uh, yeah. You know, catch your eye. Well, I really like the fact that the Jets look like, at least on paper right now, they look like a team that's going to have a fourth line this season, which they did not have last year, and uh, you know not really the year before either but last year they certainly didn't they the fourth line would get like three minutes a game with nick shore now back back over in europe um as the center you know that guy god bless him couldn't score to save his life um and uh, i don't even you know like but like now you, you're looking at, and I'm not expecting like massive offense from Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis, uh, but I think that just their veteran abilities and proven track records, those guys can play an NHL game and coach Paul Maurice is going to trust them to throw them out there for, you know, 10 minutes a game or whatever, which I think will go a long way in playing Blake Wheeler uh, and Mike, Mark Stifley a little less, bringing their minutes down to a more respectable sort of, you know, just shaving even two minutes off of those guys, that'll go a long way and making their time more like, uh, you know, productive and efficient. So I think uh, it's looking kind of like Harkins or Gustafson uh, or Perot essentially is going to be the, uh, third player on that fourth line. So Perot cleared waivers. So now he's on the taxi squad, I guess. So I guess now that he's cleared waivers in his taxi squad, now correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure how exactly taxi squad works, but I think that you just had players had to clear those waivers once, and now they can come in and out of the lineup, basically. That I don't so, know. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, like, I, I think... What, what I mean is, like, if Perot plays in a game, let's say he plays opening night, and then they take him out and he's on the uh, – he doesn't have to clear waivers again. Uh, I'm not really sure. But um, but I think that uh, Gustafson made a, a – like he, he was hurt for a bit of camp, so I don't think he got to make that impression. But, but he – you know, he made the team last year out of camp, and – and the T, you know, coaches, I think they like what he 
can bring. And without, you know, if Thompson or Lewis weren't here, I think Gustafson would be the starting fourth line center. But I think it's better this way that they've got a couple veteran guys and then, and then Gustafson on the wing or Harkins for that matter, who it looks like will probably, but he was also a little banged up. So that's where it gets a little hard to tell what's going on and who's going to be where. And that's okay. Cause too. a couple like, guys had a little bit of injury. That's what you want too. is like you, they have the depth now. So it's not like they could lose somebody yeah. from the fourth line. It's like now who do you put in? So actually yeah. I would say that, you know, for the amount that we knock Chevy for not doing anything, you got to give him some kudos for giving Trevor Lewis that PTO because he's totally. he's coming in. He's 34. I just got him here up on Hockey DB. He's what he okay. won a couple cups with the LA Kings, right? Two cups with LA, and he was a great <laughs> part of those LA teams, man. I, 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 I love those, teams, those LA man. teams. Yeah. yeah, they were so cool. Like, yeah, they, and 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 Lewis was a key player on those teams, crashing, banging, four checking, and just getting. You know, I, I'm excited that he's a Jet. Honestly, he, I think it's cool. He was a like, uh, number or a first round pick, 17th overall in 2006. But he's coming in with mm-hmm. 674 NHL games and 80 playoff games, like experience. Yeah, um, it, that's yeah. just great to see. Those were the takes for the fourth line. Um, you know, and if you think about like, however, the Jack Roslevic situation might play out if he comes back. And then you you know you got that piece then to slot in somewhere or you've got more depth yep. or you yeah. trade them and then you got something else maybe you're getting a d defenseman back like you know if they do make a move with jack roslovic you know that they're gonna get something in return that they're gonna yeah. use they're not gonna trade him for a pick like that would be right that'd be yeah silly. it'll be some sort of piece you know you're gonna yeah. get something back and, for him so um yeah. I, I would say like the depth for the jets this season I'm comfortable with, you know, I, I, yeah, it I looks feel, better than it, good with, it did last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then the one, yeah, the one I last agree. thing is maybe, um, seeing that, uh, it's Ehlers with Shifley and Wheeler and it's Connor, with uh-huh. Dasney and Liney. This, the Schwielers line. I, I, you know what? I, I, I like, I can't, I can't comment on that because, I just don't know. Like, I feel that it's going to be Connor Shifley Wheeler by the second period of the first game. <laughs> I just think that's what. That's yeah, what's it'll be happen. interesting to see. Yeah, I, I heard uh, Kyle Connor, uh, you know, talking to the press today, um, listening to twelve ninety, and they had a little <laughs> Kyle Connor being. Uh, I think Sarah Orleski asked him uh, what he what kind of damage he thought that that line of him Statsny and line might be able to do. And uh, he was excited about it. He was like, we all know what Patty can do playing with Statsny's like a real, like the guy that everybody loves him. eh? like, so it's just, you know, and then everybody knows what Kyle Connor can do speed wise. He can burn you and he's got the softest hands and he's just like, honestly, I think Kyle Connor's maybe the team's best offensive player in, you know, Shifley right there too. And, you know, we all know what line I can do with the puck, but um, Kyle Connor's kind of like that hidden, you know, secret weapon in a way. It's not so secret anymore, but like, um, I think that's going to be a good line, but we, yeah, we'll see what kind of chemistry they really have. And then, you know, well, you remember you know, that, well, that Paul Maurice loves that. Do you remember that overtime to go back game? To the old faithful. Was it overtime against Vegas last year? 
um at like earlier in the season and it was connor and line a like on on the overtime together like three on three and those they were the two forwards there's this guy I'll, I'll find it and i'll text it to you tomorrow but there's a classic okay. goal where they're like both wheeling through the neutral zone and then like line a comes and then he wheels and then he drops it yeah. to connor and connor goes in and scores like they they were just yeah. wheeling and dealing and it looked great. Like I I, yeah. I I think there's a good combo there. And I think yeah. what might be great for the Jets. Um and you know, I, I was gonna kind of speak to this a bit more um on another kind of aspect, but it would be pretty cool to see if Connor and Line A and Stasny create like some chemistry and all of a sudden that line starts firing. And then, like maybe they're scoring. It's almost your number one. And then they're maybe they're scoring more than the Shifley line. And then you're creating some like some kind of internal healthy competition. Well, and it makes matchups for the other teams harder too, because then you got two lines that you have to sort of worry about. So on some nights, and I think this is kind of the idea, is that on some nights it'll be, you know, Statsny's line that's really going, and so the the other team will put out their best checking line against them, which might free up Shifley's line a little bit, you know, to, to play against, you know, to get some more favorable matchups or whatever, especially if they're home, I home games or whatever. So where you get that last change and that kind of thing. So I think it, I think it just like if, if both of those lines can get the chemistry going and, and, and create some offense, I think it could be, you know, uh, beautiful things could happen. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's exciting to see that the, the, the depth, the forward depth does look really good. And going back to a uh, guy you mentioned earlier, there are our, our boy, Jackie, Jackie R. Uh, Roslovic, um, you know, like I kind of think he's played his last game as a jet. I don't see him. I think, uh, and I don't know if, obviously I don't know if I'm right or whatever, but like, I, I just I kind of see that Mason Appleton and Jansen Harkins have replaced him in the lineup because uh, that third line essentially looks like Cop, uh, Lowry, and Appleton, which I really like that line, big heavy line with some speed. They're going to play in the ozone all the time, cycle that puck, wear other teams down, and then you get the the fancy boys coming over the boards on a quick shit uh, line change, pop it in the net with their fan with their soft hands, and away you go. Uh, assist to the third line basically you know um but i i think roslovic like he just doesn't like if let's just say he came back right now like where would you put him like i guess well that that's the good thing third line with i, I don't think it matters where you put him it's like i th- mm. i think like it's that internal competition is is yeah. what was missing maybe last year and that and I think that would be great because then if Roslovic does come back, then Appleton has to work that much harder to stay on that third line. Or yeah. you know, if Connor is struggling or Line is struggling, they got to work that much harder to stay on the second line because maybe someone from that third line might bump them out. Um, but yeah. like, I think that's something that was missing for the past maybe season and a half for the Jets because maybe some guys were just too comfortable in their spots knowing that there wasn't really someone behind them that was like coming for their spot. So, uh, and then like just kind of maybe piggybacking off of something here from our WhatsApp chat earlier today, but like, you know, Mm -hmm. this, the, 
31 thoughts with Elliot Friedman and how he said that the Jets were potentially in the running for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I would say that would be a great thing because you put a, a, like a good centerman behind Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley wants to be mm-hmm. the number one centerman. If Pierre-Luc, mm-hmm. Pierre-Luc Dubois comes in and, and uh, you know, starts fighting for that number one spot, that's going to make Shifley work harder. You know, like if you look, if you think about um, Crosby and Malkin, like uh, Kane, like you always have like those two guys that are like trying to be the best player. And like, that's maybe what the problem is with Buffalo. Like Jack Eichel is by far the best player. There's no one behind him to like one support him and two to like push him even more kind of thing. So, you know, I think, I think this, you know, I think the Jets getting Pierre-Luc Dubois is maybe like a pie-in-the-sky kind of hope or, or idea. Right. Um, but Is the idea that it would be a one-for-one one line A for Dubois? I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's tough to say because Dubois is signed for two years right now. So yeah. you, you, you'd have to maybe make the deal knowing that like line A is going to resign or something. But regardless, exactly. that's a like a – a rabbit hole that will would you know we talk <laughs> we talk about forever but i feel yeah, like it's fun to daydream though that, yeah you know, it'd be great say, to have oh, him um but yeah. it in my opinion i'd be like i'd want to put together a package of guys that don't include patrick liney like yeah yeah i would i would totally give up like oh we didn't really talk about cole perfetti at all like not that i'd throw him in but like um you know there's another guy that could come into the mix and push you know like you all of a sudden you guys got you have guys from the bottom pushing towards the top yeah. And then when you like when you had that fourth line that was only pay, playing four or five minutes, like I th- I feel like everyone was just so comfortable in their spots. Yeah. So there was no internal competition. Yeah, this is good. And I guess that's kind of like why, you know, Chevy, uh, his phone, you know, he he had it on silent mode uh, or lost it between the couch cushions or whatever. Was he was banking on internal growth and internal competition to sort of, you know, for the team to take that next step. And and one of the things I kind of have been seeing the last couple of days is that, so the Jets have been for the last several years, one of the youngest teams in the league, if not the youngest, they were for maybe two years in a row there. And, and now all of a sudden um, they're not, and they've got that more, experience and depth and whatever and you look at like a couple years ago there was so many rookies in the lineup and everything and now you're looking at i don't know that they really have a rookie in the lineup uh i suppose you know let's say niku comes in and i don't know if he would be considered a rookie well, anymore, harkins, but, you know guess, like they've got young guys harkins would still be a rookie i don't know if he would have had enough games yeah. last year Right, right. So they, they've got young guys uh, who have sort of graduated from prospect to to player now, but but just overall they just seem, you know, and all their core guys, their line A's. He's twenty two or whatever he is now, twenty three, something like that. You know, Ehlers is twenty five or whatever. You know, so these guys are all sort of getting another year closer to their prime or Ehlers is 24. If you're yeah. Line is 22 turning 23. Connor's 24. Yeah. Shifley's 27. Cop is 26. Yeah. Appleton's 24. <laughs> Actually, um, guess who's 29. 
Uh, Former Jet Brandon Tanev is 29 already. Huh. Yeah. Because he would have played all his college. He hockey. came out of college, right? So he would have been, yeah, 24 or so when he started. Rostovic is 23. Year. Harkins is 23. Gustafson's yeah. 20. Well, so that's the thing. He's like, you look at a Roslovic and he's only 23 years old. It seems like he's been on the team for five years or whatever. I don't know. So like, you know, he's, he's got NHL experience now. Not that he's got a ton of games or anything, but like he, he could be a valuable piece to a team that needs maybe that, you know, they could put him on the second line or whatever, you know, and he'll get more minutes and put like, so on a, on a lesser team, if you will, you know, well, he could be a valuable offensive piece to them. So the Jets, I, you know, maybe they're dangling him out there and who knows what the behind the scenes sort of stuff that's happening. But like, uh, to me, you got to kind of think that, that Roslovic, like I say, I think he's played his last game as a Jet and I think he's probably going to be moved. But, and, and of course he apparently has asked for a trade. So, and uh, I don't know. And, and there was a, a piece in the paper, I guess, I didn't read it, but about how, like, what's wrong with Winnipeg? Why does everybody want to trade? Well, that, I that's think just in, Mike um, McIntyre uh, doing his thing. Exactly. But, exactly. Uh, and I, I would say, but I, I think with Roslovic, it's more just like his spot on the team. He hasn't secured what he thinks he should be doing, being an offensive player on the first or second line, but he hasn't earned it. Yeah. So, well, you know, he's played 180 NHL games. He's got 26 goals, 41 assists, mm-hmm. 67 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 20 playoff games, he's got zero goals. So, yeah. you know. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, exactly. But like, and those, he's probably been on the third or fourth line in those games. You know what I mean? In the, he did get his cup. Games, he did like, get his chance, though, centering the second line last year. He did get his chance yeah. also being a winger on Blake Wheeler's yeah. line with Kyle Connor. Um, you know, yeah. He, I don't know. I would say exactly like he's had, he's, some he's had his chances. And I think that, I think though that, you know, if they, if um, let's just say, for example, the jets dangled him out to New Jersey or something like that, there's a team where he might have a lot more opportunity to get in to the mix uh, or, or uh, I don't know, Phoenix or whoever, you know right? what I like do? Some, one of these teams, you know what I do is I would go, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it'd work or not for the, for the money. But uh, Rosovic for either Ryan Murray or Damon Severson from uh, New Jersey. That's what I would do. Mm. But hey, nice. what do I know? I just have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so one last yeah. thing, and then maybe we'll we'll do a little little intermission here quickly. But let, sure. let's just yeah. kind of give our uh, little takes on um, on what we feel. Like, if you want to f- make a prediction on on the first. Is it, the, is it eight games? The first month. First month? Yeah. So the, the, the Jets have eight games in the month of January. And uh, essentially, they're uh, – geez, I had their schedule up, and I now don't. But it's Calgary and then Toronto and Ottawa, Edmonton. Uh, I can't remember who else here. Um, <clears throat> but – yeah, so the, they do play eight games the first month of the season. I kind of uh, what I said in in the group uh, chat there was I could kind of see them going like five, two, and one. Okay, so here's the sketch. Yeah, they open against Calgary, and then they go on a roadie where they play Toronto, and then they've got 
three games against Ottawa, two of them in Ottawa, one of them back here, and then two games against Edmonton, and then a game against Vancouver. So I don't know. I can kind of see them going five, two, and one, splitting against Edmonton, losing in overtime against Toronto, and then another loss in there maybe against either Calgary or Vancouver. And then I think they, I mean, maybe I'm just, uh, you know, say assuming Ottawa will be a pushover and I'm saying they'll sweep Ottawa, but, you know, maybe they won't be. And I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think if they come, if they come out of January, you know, over 500, whether that's, uh, you know, five wins, three losses, or, you know, four wins, three losses, an, an OTL, something like that. I think that's decent. Um, so what do you want to do? Do you want to like, what do the Jets need to do? Or do you want to like make a call on what you think they're going to do? Like as far as their like, do you, record? Do you or? want to make an actual prediction? Like what's the Jets prediction? Get, or what's the Jets record going to be after eight games? Or are you? Sure. Are you... I'll, I'll say five, two, and one. Okay. That's going to be what I'm saying. Okay. I'm going to say four, three, and one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, we're both uh, optimistic that they'll start the <laughs> season over 500. Uh, yeah, I think I think they'll have some jump in their in their step right yeah. off the bat here. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's going to be I don't know, like uh, it just it's it's so hard to imagine cuz it's going to be a little it's going to be different. Like yeah. it's going to be a different style of hockey, I think. Like just, you know, it will be because yeah. it's it's also a sprint. So like you know, say for instance, if we went on the other side of things, if the Jets went two, five, and one in the first eight, like what do you do? Like you you now have right. you now have what forty eight games left. Like you know, like the the season's gonna go by very quickly. So yeah, if they start if they start two, five, and one, yeah, what do you do? Do you is is Paul Maurice? shown the door or and then the keys are are handed over to uh dave lowry or what like i know yeah i I think i think no matter what unless there's a complete meltdown i think pretty much paul maurice is safe for the whole year like unless i would agree unless they go like like on a given an crazy unless they go like on a crazy like you know if they're zero and eight, yeah, or something. like it's brutal. <laughs> then yeah, um, but I would say that I think most coaches are probably going to get like a longer leash this this year, um, unless you're yeah. unless you're a team that's supposed to be performing and you're not. But I think for yeah. the most part, because it's going to be such a different year, um, I think I think you're going to see um, most coaches sticking around. But I also think that you're going to see some different trends and maybe let's talk about this after the break um you know let's talk about what we think might or what could happen um with with no actual exhibition games and like a shorter camp yeah and and like yeah more of a sprint so um yeah we'll, we'll talk about that and then we're also going to talk about uh just a look around look around the league on how we how we think maybe um some of the other divisions may, might shake out and maybe some some hot takes on who's going to go the distance 
And also Tommy mm-hmm. is going to tell us a little bit about his fantasy team. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk some fantasy hockey. I'm doing a fantasy league with some buddies this year and, uh, we did our draft the other night and uh, I'm getting fired up. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into that a little bit and, uh, yeah, it should be good. So stay tuned after the break here. We're going to go to a song. Uh, we throw into DOA Overtime, I believe, is the tune we're going to go to here. Uh, classic little uh, song from their Loggerheads album. So enjoy, and we'll see you soon. One day I'm going to make a point. We are back talking hockey season three episode Espo um, <laughs> classic Espo speech coming up here at the end of the show, folks, you're going to, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, you will have chill, chills. Um, it's something that you will remember for the rest of your life, but we are now back, <laughs> back in the fold here. We got NHL hockey starting tomorrow. I think I saw somewhere online. There's like, NHL games for the next 116 straight days or something like that. I'm totally stoked. Oh yeah. I'm going to be watching hockey every <laughs> single night. Um, yeah. But the one thing that's different is the fact that training camps were a lot shorter. Uh, you know, I think they had 10 days, roughly some of the other teams that weren't in the bubble uh, last season, I think had, I had a couple, a couple days head start on things or whatever, but there was no legit exhibition games. So like, if you think about other seasons, there'd be like the Jets would be playing seven games or so, like, you know, four here and three on the road or whatever against Calgary, Minnesota, that kind of thing. So shorter camp also no games. So um, it's just, it's like a sprint to the season. And then now the season's going to be a sprint. So Tommy, my question Mm. for you is, do you think having a shortened training camp might affect uh, maybe how things get going like are maybe would you say could there be some concerns on maybe some guys aren't quite in shape or ready ready to go kind of thing like what what do you what are your thoughts yeah i you know i think um these days with everybody with the way pro athletes operate these days i don't know that there's going to be much worry about guys being in shape you know what i mean i think it, the it'll be more about the timing and their, you know, like their hands or whatever. And just like the kind of chemistry that they will form with their line mates, especially if uh, like uh, if there's like new guys coming into a team. So like, say for example, a team like Montreal, which has a whole lot of new guys on that team, they might not come out of the gates as quickly as Habs fans hope because it's going to take some time for those guys to gel and they don't have the exhibition games to do it. 
Whereas a team like the Jets, it's pretty much a lot of the same guys. You got three new guys, maybe, you know, um, and everybody else has been here. So, or if not on the Jets, then on the Moose, and they try to play the same system and everything. So it should maybe not affect them in that way as much. But, um, you know, like, I always thought there's too many exhibition games in the first place, you know, with them playing like seven exhibition games. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, I, I understand why they want exhibition games, you know, to, to test different line combos and whatever. But I don't know that, like, I think seven is too many exhibition games. Uh, maybe zero is too few, but, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm kind of fine with it. Like, I think the the training camp sprint is is um like i i think yeah you're basically going from a crawl or like not moving to sprinting so i think we will see some injuries happen uh you know and like not of the freak variety you know what i mean we'll see some we'll see some pulled hammies we'll see some uh groins you know groins and and these kinds of you know abdominal stretching or tears or whatever like we'll see those kinds of injuries maybe a little more this year um and that's where the the taxi taxi squad's gonna really be an important piece for teams because especially if there's more back-to-backs this year then you know you're gonna want um to to move guys in and out of the lineup a little bit right yeah uh so yeah i don't know i i I can see um i can see maybe injuries being a big factor in the season but i think you know i think basically the the lack of exhibition uh, games and the the condensed training camp I don't really see it being a huge issue. I think guys are going to be ready to go because they've been training nonstop probably for however many months anyway. Right. So this is, it's not like the, the seventies when guys would be like selling cars in the (laughs) off season, smoking cigarettes and, and whatever, uh, or like a guy's off season training consisted of him working construction and shoveling fucking rocks or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, I I posed the question to you, uh, before the show, like, and you kind of mentioned it, like the freak injury thing. So if you think back to mm. McDavid breaking his uh, clavicle or sternum or whatever that was, you think about Stamkos mm. um, breaking his leg. You think about Crosby's concussions, like, and like having in like in those seasons, those guys were either on pace for like career career years, or it happened very early in the season, which then translates into. Um, you know, a lost season, a lot, you yeah. know, like their team, maybe not, uh, you know, achieving to, to that, uh, you know, yeah. predicted extent or whatever, um, you know, and you know, you don't want to predict that kind of thing, but you have to feel, or you have to think that there's potential for something like that to happen because I'm sure the guys are in great shape, but I think, I think almost every night is going to be like playoff hockey. So it's mm-hmm. going to be, I think, I think you might see a little bit of that like that. Um, and actually it just kind of made me think when we were talking jets, we didn't really talk about uh, Connor Hellebuck and what, no. what I wanted to ask you about with Connor was um, 
do you see him having a similar season? Because like last last year was the Connor Hellebuck show. Um, do you yeah. you know what are your thoughts on Connor this year? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna see the the Hellebuck that we think we'll see, and that is um, he'll be right on. He'll pick up where he left off. That's just my personal vibe I'm picking up. Um, I don't know why, but like he he was nominated for a Vesna two seasons ago. And his numbers that season were actually better than this past season where he won the Vesna, but he was more of a team, more of a integral cog this season. You know, um, he was obviously relied upon very heavily and this, they're going to ask the same thing of him this year. And I think that, I think he'll respond. Um, I've really liked his, uh, pre his pre like his training camp uh comments and impressors and whatever he he said something to the effect of uh hey winning the vesna was great and i hope i can do it again but i only got eyes for one prize and that's the stanley <laughs> cup and uh you know nice. i love it i love that confidence he's uh, he's, he's a he's, beauty he's and cool as a cucumber man like i he, he is yeah. he is and uh you know i think when you got a goalie like him in net it just it it covers up a lot of other deficiencies and, and yeah, maybe the jets don't have the all-star defense lineup that uh, some other teams might have, but you know, if they've got a crew that can kind of collectively get the job done and if they can clean up what, you know, better than last year, which I think they can, then I think they're looking okay. And uh, so, you know, and as long as Hellebuck sort of holds up his end of the bargain and plays the way that he can nothing to worry about. I don't think. Yeah. I would so. say like the knock probably against Connor Hellebuck for not winning the Vezina, the season that he had better stats is because the jets would have had like such a stacked team, like with yeah. Bufflin and, and, and Myers and Morrissey and Truba. And yeah, like they would have been, they were so, overall a better, team. they would have been so deep. And then I think, was it was it Rask or Pekka Rene that would have won it last that year? I think, I think it oh, was it Vasilevsky. Question. Whatever. Vasilevsky won last year, like the year before. before okay, so I think it was either Rask or Pekka. That was Rask, Rask or Pekka Rene. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. regardless, um, I think like that would have come into play for him not winning that that season. Um, yeah. But but you're right. I I, I think. Connor Hellebuck is the one piece that um, his confidence, I feel like is what you need from, from a goalie. And like, you just like his focus, like it just, it's, it's so crazy. Um, yeah. And the way that he speaks, how he wants to constantly um, be better and improve. And, you know, it's, he's all about the team. Like it, it just, it's a, it's a pretty, like I think we're we're pretty lucky here in Winnipeg to have Connor Hellebuck as as our starting oh, goalie for sure for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then if when you when you think about the rest of the the league, you know we're obviously going to be staying very close. I, I'm I'm sorry, Tom. I'm going to call it the Canadian Canadian Division. I I can't. Yeah. I can't call it. <laughs> you don't want to call it the Scotia Bank North <laughs> Division? No. <laughs> I think we're gonna we're gonna be thoroughly. Um, entertained because for for that oh, division, yeah. 
but also there's going to be, there's going to be some great hockey around the league. Um, yeah. But, so like, what would you like, what are, you know, both of us are, are Nathan McKinnon fans. Um, there's, yeah. there's some other great players around the league. We got Lafreniere coming in and uh, for the New York Rangers, um, yeah. you know, some new te- new, new players and new spots. So you got Eric Stahl in Buffalo, you got Holtby in um, Vancouver. Yeah. You've got a whole bunch of Canucks now in Calgary. Like, yeah. there's like all this uh, kind of uh, shuffle the deck. Kucherov's going to be out for the season, but he'll probably be back for playoffs. What, yeah. what are you looking at for for uh, around the league? Uh, Carter Hart in Philly is is a spot yeah. too that I think he's on his way to becoming uh, a superstar goalie. Uh, you know, yeah. what are you what are you looking at for around the league? Yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, here's my hot take prediction is that at the end of the day, it's going to be a Colorado and Philly Stanley Cup final. Now, I don't know how the playoff format really works this year with the it's, divisions. It, it's and it's stuff. seeding. So no matter what, yeah, like anyone can play anybody. So like if, if Tampa Bay okay. wins their division by like a ton, and they end up being yeah. number one in the league, and say say Winnipeg wins the North Division, but they're um, they're well. They're... The first round or two is in division playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But then when it when it comes, so you have to win your division. Yeah, but then when it comes to, it's not like it won't be like North versus. It won't be a bracket. It'll be ranking. Okay. So whoever okay. wins yeah. all that, then it's like then your points. It could. Yeah. yeah so it could be two Western teams. It could be two Eastern. It could be. Teams. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. It could shake out any yeah, yeah, any yeah. which way. So okay. So like it could be. Okay. There's well, there's any combination of Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah. Team. I I I really think that Colorado is going to take that next step this year, and I, I I can see them sort of going for a great run in the playoffs this year and taking that next step. Um, I think Philadelphia is kind of like a bit of a sleeper pick in a way. Like everybody knows. Yeah. I think they, they got a good team over there and everything, but I think that they're just like, you know, people are focused on Boston, Philadelphia, or uh, Tampa, Washington, Vegas, you know, exactly. Like there's other teams that people are more focused on. You know, if you ask Canadian sports media, the Leafs are already cup champs basically. So um, I, I just, I think Philly's a bit of a sleeper pick and I like the way, and then like if Carter Hart does Carter Hart, then it's kind of, it's a similar situation to what we've got here in Winnipeg with, with Hellebuck. Carter Hart, he's only second, third year pro now, but that kid, yeah. real deal. He's so good. So good. And, you know, a goalie can carry you a long way, but like Philly's, got a good team in front of them. So I think, you know, that definitely helps. Um, so I don't know, but like, I, I think Tampa, honestly, they've got as good a chance as any to repeat as cup champs. Um, you know, they, they're just, like you say, with Kucherov, he's out for the season with hip surgery or whatever it was that, are, that he's getting uh, bang, you know, fixed up, but he'll be back for playoffs and salary cap doesn't matter in playoffs. Yeah. So I wonder if they can, I mean, it's not cap circumvention. The guy needed surgery. So, <laughs> but in a way it kind of is right. So uh, um, I don't know, like Tampa, I think 
you know, they're, they're good to go. So it'll be interesting to sort of see at the end of the day, but my hot take prediction, I'm going to go Colorado Philly and, uh, but yeah, like overall, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, like, I'm probably going to watch a lot, a lot of Canadian division uh, games and maybe only a handful of other ones. And uh, I guess it depends on the TV schedule, honestly. And like with a brand new baby in the house, it'll be, uh, the time will be limited as to what I can sort of uh, focus on or watch. So. I'll try to watch as many Jets games as I can. And then beyond that, we'll see, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So but, uh, um, just kind of piggybacking off here, Colorado. Like I totally forgot that Brandon Saad was in Colorado. Like, that's right. That, like, yeah, I didn't even yeah. remember. Yeah. Like they've got Saw, they've got Kadri, um, Burakovsky. They obviously got Landis Cog McKinnon ranting in, um, yeah. They got Eric Johnson. They got our boy Kale McCarr. Um, uh, uh, well, then you look at the defensive prospects that they have coming. Bowen Bryan, so Bowen Byron yeah. from Team Canada, Justin Barron from Team Canada, Halifax guy, showed out there. Um, I don't know who else. There's somebody else, but you know the Sam Girard. He's over. He's already playing over there great defenseman like yeah they're they're they're, colorado they're like they're deep yeah um and you're and like i would have to say that um kind of in relation to like the league going in trends and like seeing injuries and this kind of thing i like i i think this is i think we're, we're gonna see tampa bay repeat this year i just feel yeah we've seen a lot of repeats and i think that we're gonna see it again that Mm-hmm. That's that's my call. It wouldn't surprise anyone, I don't think, if they did. That's for sure. And I think like Tampa yeah. Bay is just so smart at what they're doing, and this like they barely had to mess with their team. Like they st- mm-hmm. they got Stamkos, they got Point, they got Palat, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Sorelli, Kalorn, Coleman. They still got Patrick Maroon. They got Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Eric Cernak, like. They still got Bas- backup. They still got Vasilevsky. Curtis McElhenney is is their backup. McElhenney, yeah, okay, but, yeah, reliable, you know. But like they and then and then they have Kucherov, like on injured reserve, and so is yeah. Marion Gabrick actually. Um, yeah, well, they, that was part of the Ottawa trade with. Um, so Gabrick could come back for the playoffs if he's like if he can play. I think he's. Uh, as good as retired though. But regardless, he's there. He could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so anyways, um you know what they just did here just quickly, sorry, but they just put so when everybody was doing their waiver wire stuff yesterday, Tyler Johnson got put through waivers. And he cleared. I don't think he got claimed though. He got he was cleared yeah. because no one has got 4 million bucks or whatever that is. 5 million yeah. to claim him and he still got four more seasons. So yeah, yeah. I, I I don't really know how they're gonna make that work because they got to make their cap work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we'll learn a lot of things tomorrow, as far as how that's yeah. all gonna work and how the taxi squad's gonna work. But regardless, yeah, we are um we are less than a day away from NHL hockey, um just yeah. over one day. And you look at Tampa and it's like, what a what a team, right? Oh, like, they're stacked. Be, they they you would think they would have against. Like with a flat cap, you would have thought that they would have had to rip it all apart, but 
They pretty much have the yeah. same team. Braden Point, I think, is going to put this team on his back and he's going to carry them. He's like, I don't know. He's he's the real deal. Um, Stamkos, I would have to be convinced if he's going to play a full season. I just like he's just got such the worst luck. But um, yeah. I would say that Tampa Bay is going to be um, right, right, right there at the, at the end of the season. But um, yeah, yeah, I would say that I think What's, I think uh, we're going to see. Do you have a dark horse. Sorry, go ahead. I think we're going to see a, a repeat here, repeat Stanley Cup champion. That's going to be my hot take for twenty one. Okay. Do you have a dark horse team that you think uh, might make a little noise this year? That maybe. Uh, is slightly off the radar or if 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 anything i'd have to pick the jets as a dark horse but yeah i'm i'm like i'm not even fully convinced because it's like which team is going to show up is it going to be the yeah. team what's their identity can, can the can the team like is the motivation there or is it gone like yeah. and then like, to me slightly it kind of feels like can Paul Maurice really get the most out of his, those players anymore? I don't know. Like I, I'd have to see it to believe it right now. I would say no. Um, Cause even it just seemed like when, you know, sure they were, their backs were, were against the wall and like they had some injuries against Calgary. Um, but it just seemed like no one responded. Um, so I don't know if I had to pick a dark horse, I'd say the jets because no one's picking the jets. But yeah, um, they're being very overlooked, I think, yeah. because of all the noise that say the Canadians made or like Toronto being Toronto, you know, Calgary made a lot of moves. Edmonton's got McDavid and Drysidle. So everybody's looking at those sort of four teams in the in the Canadian division. And then, um, you know, and then they're forgetting about Vancouver and they're writing Vancouver off because, oh, they lost Markstrom. Oh, they lost, you know, uh, whoever the heck they lost and and i'd also so, say though ottawa could be a dark horse because like stutzel looks yeah. really good um you know like mm -hmm. they, they might be they might be young but sometimes young is what yeah. you need so who do you think is going to win the calder this year you've got a lot of wicked rookies this year you got lafreniere byfield stutzel you got the rangers goalie shesterkin um I don't even know who else, right? But like, there's a ton of great rookies coming in this year. Who who do you like for the Calder? Well, if I had to, like, we saw how good Lafreniere looked last World Juniors. Like he yeah. he put that team on his shoulders and he carried them. Um, Stutzel did the same thing for Germany this year. Like, if it wasn't for him, Germany would like I don't know, like that country yeah. would probably collapse upon itself or something. <laughs> But, uh, but, um, so I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a toss up between those two, but I might give yeah. Lafreniere the edge because he's probably yeah. a year older or he is a year older. Yeah. I'm just imagining Lafreniere playing with Panarin and the magic that oh, those yeah. boys are going to put up. They're so quick and yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. I, I would have to say it's going to be one of those two guys, but right now I'd probably give the edge to Lafreniere because He's yeah. older and he's got another year of yeah. just kind of hockey under his belt. And the only sort of uh, di difference between the two really might be that the Rangers are a little further along in their rebuild and could possibly be pushing for a playoff spot this year. Like, I think that they've got a good team. They they could be right in the thick of it. Whereas the, the, the Senators 
are very much like we're given the keys to the kids. Yeah. You know, like they brought in some veterans to help stabilize things, but Stutzla is going to have all the playing time in the world. Yeah. Whereas maybe Lafreniere, they might shelter him a little bit, you know, just uh, for big game, you know, like just because they might be in a bit of a race and they, they mm-hmm. need to sort of have a different lineup or not, not that I don't think Lafreniere will be out of the lineup, but they just might not, he might not get, 18 or 20 minutes a game where Stutzler might, you know what I mean? Well, I, I think like, uh, Lafreniere has got like a, a better supporting cast around him. So here we go. We got Kreider. We got Zibanejad. We got Panarin. We we got Strom. We got Capo Caco, you know, um, like that's just, and then on defense, they got, uh, uh, Truba. Truba, Fox, D'Angelo. They got Jack Johnson uh, actually too. Um, oh, did they? Yeah. But and it, but Shesterkin it, and then the other uh, the other dude there. Uh, whatever they, I think the Rangers are looking good. So I like the like, Rangers. If you think about Zabanajad, Strom, Panarin, Kako, Kreider, and then uh, then I would put Lafreniere after those guys. So like, yeah. but so he, if he's with them or if he's below them, right? But then if you look at Ottawa, like Stutzel is maybe more on a island kind of more there. Like yeah. he's got, he's got, there's, you know, there's. Well, Brady Kachuk and then they brought in Dadanov, who's a 30 goal scorer. But so they, they've then... got Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Derek yeah. Steppen, Dadanov, you know, yeah. like it just, like they're not as deep. So no, they're, they're no. like Stutzel is going to have more responsibility so he, he might be able to wheel and deal more and have more freedom. But then like, then w- if you think about when you're playing other teams, then teams would focus on him and then he's shut down and then like nobody else. But whereas with, with the Rangers, if you've got everybody watching Panarin, then maybe that main opens up Lafreniere and then he can score or whatever. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I would say that, Lafreniere is maybe in a bit of a softer spot right now because of, of the situation of, of the guys For around them. Sure. For sure. So yeah, that yeah. being said, um, you, you put together yourself a, a, a fantasy team. Yeah. Great segue, Randy, because I'll tell you who I took on my fantasy team. My number one overall pick, I had the fifth draft. I had the fifth pick in our, uh, in our, uh, lottery or in our draft or whatever and uh so mckinnon was gone mcdavid was gone dry was gone uh somebody else was gone so i went with artemi panarin as my number one pick that's a solid and, pick uh, yeah so i was pretty stoked to get him actually and so once i had him and we got a few rounds in and i noticed well we were i don't i don't remember how many rounds in we were when i picked him but i i was like I'm taking Lafreniere. So I did. So I got Lafreniere and Panarin. So I'm really hoping that they make some magic this year. I think that'll be pretty sweet uh, to watch. They'll, 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 I, I'm looking forward to tuning into some Rangers games, actually. I've always kind of liked the Rangers. And uh, and now that I've got those boys on my fantasy team, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they can do. Well, that was, so. that was always one of my strategies for fantasy was to pick – two guys that played together because if you're going to get a goal, you're going to get an assist from that guy. 
totally so that that you're you're almost getting you're doubling up but like it's got to be the right combination um so that could work for you like um right now according to um this uh, daily face-off website um uh panarin and lafreniere aren't on the same line but i would assume they will be and i would assume uh power play time um they'll get some time together. they'll get some they'll get some uh a lot of ice time together like if, yeah. Do they have the? Yeah. So they've got Lafreniere on the PP one with Kreider, Zibanejad, yeah. Panarin, and D'Angelo. Like, yeah, those guys That's are gonna nice looking power. They're play gonna score here, some goals. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Eh? And that's the bandage had a great. He's great. Uh, He's a great player really, and former Ottawa yeah, Senator. Great season last year. Yeah. 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 Uh, traded for Derek. No. What was it? Was it Derek Broussard that they traded it was, him yeah. for? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a regrettable move. But <laughs> I was probably some money uh, sort of thinking involved in that one. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, so my um, my fantasy league team here, um, it's a head to head. So uh, basically, there's, you know, 11 ish categories uh, for stats that'll get you points. And uh, at, you go head to head against another guy each week. And at the end of the week, whoever won the most categories or points, you get a win. So you're one and oh or oh and one or whatever, right? So um so uh the, we we did a we did a draft and yeah, I took Panarin first overall. Here's my other I'll I'll run down the roster for you and uh, you can let me know what you think. So I got Panarin, I got Kyle Connor, nice. I got Pierre Luc Dubois. I got Mark Stone. I got Alexei Lafreniere. I got uh, Alex DeBrincat. I got Timo Meyer. I got Nikolai Ehlers. Oh, sweet. Matt Deshane. Victor Hedman. Zach Wierenski. Zachy Boy. Shea I love Weber, Zach. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Riley. Philip Horonic of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I watched a. Uh, I think I was watching that's hockey and uh, Mike Johnson did a fantasy thing about defensemen. He was like, Philip Ronick's a sleeper pick. Oh, so so you're like... Like, when he was, I, I needed defenseman and he was still there. I was like, eh, there we go. Um, I got Jacob Voracek, Anthony Sorelli, Jonathan Druen, Josh Morrissey, uh, Paul Statsny. So I got a bit of, oh. I got some jets <laughs> and then goalies. I got Hellebuck. Markstrom, Francouz, and Allen. So I'm feeling good about my team. It just depends how I deploy them, I suppose. But because um, they'll, you get like I think four, four guys have to be on the bench or something like that. Oh and yeah, two goalies on the bench. So so you always got to you pick your starter. Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta make sure your starters are in and everything. But I did. So I did have a bit of a theme other than just trying to get really good players or whatever. But I have a bunch of former Halifax Mooseheads. <laughs> um, and I got some uh, some Jets. So former Mooseheads include Jacob Voracek, um, Jonathan Druen, uh, uh, Timo Meyer, and I think that's it. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois played for the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. So... A little bit close of a, enough. 
close enough exactly so yeah but i, I really like my two goalies in hellebuck and markstrom because i think they're going to play a whole lot of games and get good points that way and then pavel Frankus is colorado's backup to grubauer and i was reading that grubauer is going to get about 60 to 65 percent of the starts and so Frankus will get a lot of uh he'll get some games and i mean colorado is going to win a lot of games so i think you know I'm, I'm happy with that so actually and that just reminded me next episode we have to talk about they're actually doing two outdoor games this year at lake tahoe mm-hmm. and colorado right. colorado vegas and um philly boston so that could be two teams that you're potentially picking for the stanley cup finals well, did, well, did they know yeah. <laughs> what state is like tahoe it's in, in alaska what is it no. it's down in like isn't it like call it's in colorado or something isn't it maybe california it's somewhere down there like utah i don't know it's like it's kind of down southwesty area like the sierra Nevada range or whatever they call that. Oh, it is. Southern it's, Rockies. Oh, it's in California. For some reason, I thought the games oh, okay. were in Alaska this year. Or did they talk about Alaska? I don't know if they did. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it is. It, but, it's Lake Tahoe is basically on the Cal- the border of California and Nevada. Yeah, man. Well, like if they're doing that, like why not throw one out at Lake Louise? Actually, I know why. Cause it'd be minus 40 and Lake Tahoe is probably only minus 10. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why but that that's really cool though i like that because there's no fans so they don't nope. got to worry about that eh? it's so just, just gonna be, be a like big rain crate total, the lake. Like, tv production yeah that's awesome yeah it's gonna but be they, an interesting year yeah 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 it's cool i like that they're doing kind of some different stuff like that and that that lake tahoe stuff will be huge for the american audience you know and like canadians will watch hockey no matter what you know what i mean so they kind of have to have those kind of gimmicks for the American audience, but like, I think it's cool. I, oh, like it. I was thinking so. mystery Alaska. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a movie. Isn't I it? know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, uh, you you're uh, you've got some experience in fantasy hockey. I heard through the rumor mill that you've uh, won a couple fantasy leagues, but uh, maybe you're still waiting on a payout here. Um, you know, if you need a guy to go, uh, whack some knees with a lead pipe uh, I might be able to help you out but um. well, I, I had a pretty successful run for a couple of years in a row um, and, yeah. and I I, imp, I implemented the same sort of strategy I would I, I would either have a theme um, or like a, some sort of connection and yeah. more often than not it would be like tandems like you know, yeah. I would I would go with say Wheeler and Shifley and I would go with like yeah. Ben and Sagan or something, you know, like I would try and yeah. do pairs like duo. That. And then yeah. if I, if I had the time or like, it would also be like, um, you also want to make sure you're spreading out your picks um, enough around teams, because I find if you're all, if you're picking from the same team all the time, like I would never pick more than three guys from one team. Yeah, that's maybe where I screwed up is that I took a few too many jets. <laughs> because but like Paul Statsny was my very last pick. He was still available at the very end. And I debated between Quinton Byfield and Statsny. 
and I went for Stastny because I was like, look, oh, I would, I would have gone, I would go with Patrick Line. Yeah, he's going to be centering Patrick Line. Rookies are going to get cold. Rookies are always a risky pick. Yeah, that's why I only took one rookie in Lafreniere, but but that's not risky. He's older, he's experienced, he's got a good team around him. I think, yeah, he's going to have a great year. I'm pretty sure. And that's so that's we'll a see. perfect way to end it because Lafreniere played for the New York Rangers or is playing for the New York Rangers, and this classic hockey player, um, he played for the New York Rangers. That's right. He ended his career for the Rangers. He played for the Hawks, the Bruins, and the Rangers. We're talking, of course, about Phil Esposito, number seven, Espo. The reason that. Uh, Raymond Bork switched his number from seven to 77 was because they were retiring Espo's number in Boston. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this clip where, uh, Oh yeah. It was the Jersey retirement and and Bork took off his Jersey or something and had 77 underneath and gave the seven to Phil Esposito or whatever. And pretty cool, but continue. Yeah. You're saying there. So this, this little Phil Esposito moment. It, Phil Esposito, former Ranger, but this this moment came from uh, his experience with the 1972 Summit Series playing for Team Canada. They were up against the wall against the Russians or the Soviets, I guess you could call them back then. Um, yeah. Almost, almost you could say in similar fashion to how us judgmental Jets fans jump all <laughs> over the Jets. In a similar fashion, the Canadians were having a tough time against the Soviets and the boys were feeling some pressure from home. And uh, Phyllis mm-hmm. Bezito had this heartfelt speech um, to, to rally, rally, not only rally the boys, rally the troops, rally his teammates, but also send a message to the folks back home that, you know, should be supporting yeah. them instead of, um, you know, jumping down their throats. I, be- I, I believe it was, it was, that so the series opened with four games in Canada, then went four games in Russia. Yeah, the the eight game series, right? But and Canada went one in three or something like that in Canada. In Canada, yeah. um, or no, they tied a game maybe or something like that. And so this this speech was given, I think, after their final game in Canada before they were going to go to Russia, I believe. Yeah, and then we all know how that ended. If you didn't know how it ended, then just do yourself a favor and Google 1972 Paul Henderson and you can see how it ends. Yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll play this clip on the way out. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, NHL hockey starts tomorrow. Jets hockey starts on Thursday. Um, I guess mm-hmm. this episode, for those of you that don't know, ooh, this is not live, <laughs> but it'll go up uh, on on Wednesday, the first night of NHL hockey. So there you go. Yeah, buckle up, folks. Yeah. It's going to be a good season. Tommy, yeah, uh, take we'll, take uh, her out for us here. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll see you uh, maybe next week, I guess. Hopefully, and uh, until then, keep your stick on the ice. Make sure to check your lie and. Uh, Quick shifts, pucks deep. Here we go now. Let's go. For the people across Canada, we tried. We did our best. And uh, for the people that boo us, geez, I, I'm really, I, all of us guys are really disheartened and we're disillusioned and we're disappointed in some of the people. We cannot believe the bad press we've got, uh, the, the booing we've gotten in our own buildings. And if, if, if the Russians boo their, their players, if the fans, if Russians boo their players, like some of the Canadian fans, I'm not saying all of them, some of them booed us then I'll come back and I'll apologize to each one of the Canadians. But 
I don't think they will. I'm really, really, I'm really disappointed. I am completely disappointed. I cannot believe it. Some of our guys are really, really down in the dumps. We know, we're trying, what the hell? I mean, we're, we're doing the best we can, and uh, they got a good team, and let's face facts. But uh, it doesn't mean that we're not giving it our 150%, because we certainly are. I think, uh, Phil, the disappointment is a natural thing because it, the whole thing was an unexpected thing. They, you know, we all live with the National Hockey League. We have all been so proud yeah. over the years how great they are. It's unexpected uh, because of the press said that we are so good. Not one of well, us said yeah, that no, we were good. No, no, no. This is the thing. This is the thing that I'm on behalf of the fans. I must say that uh, that uh, probably since everything is is relative. We know how good you people are. The people didn't realize how good the Soviet team was, and now we found out how good they are. I think we can appreciate how good both teams are. But I'll tell you, we we love. I mean, every one of us guys, 35 guys that came out and played for Team Canada, we did it because we love our country, and not for any other reason. No other reason. They can throw the money uh, for the pension fund out the window. They can throw anything they want out the window. We came because we love Canada. And even though we play in the United States and we earn money in the United States, Canada is still our home, and that's the only reason we come. And I don't think it's fair that we should be booed. As I was doing that, people were yelling and screaming at, at us, calling me names. Communism is better, don't you admit it now, and all this other stuff. This is Vancouver. And guys out of the stands were yelling that communism is best, and it's supreme. That's when I really realized, man, we are in a war here. This is no game. This is war.